My name is Lee McGrath um, and I run MMA Fanalytics. It's a YouTube-based account breaking down upcoming UFC, Bellator and any MMA fights. And thanks for having me on. And you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Kobe Ron. You guys know me as Kobe. And this being the Friday show, we're going to talk a little MMA today. And I've got a gentleman with me who's covering all things MMA. I think specifically the UFC is one of his primary targets, but you do cover it all. And that's Liam McGrath with MMA Fanalytics, the owner and operator of the MMA Fanalytics platform. Liam, how you doing? I'm not too bad now. How are you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. Now, I am right in saying you cover all MMA, correct? Uh, it's primarily primarily UFC and Bellator at the moment, kind of doing fight breakdowns and things like that. Okay. But I am looking to expand and possibly look at the likes of 1FC and PFL probably in the not-too-distant future. Now, if you haven't figured out the accent, <laughs> Liam's from Ireland, and it's pretty late there for him right now, so we appreciate him making the time to come on the show. But what got you into MMA, Liam? Um, I always had an interest, I suppose, in sports in general. Like, I would have played a lot of soccer growing up or football. And then we had GA or Gaelic games in Ireland as well. Um, and then it was kind of always drawn to the combat sports. And I suppose really then when McGregor kind of took off, it drew like a large Irish audience in. So with my kind of background in other sports, then I wanted to take up MMA and kind of train that as well. So I eventually took the plunge in that kind of pre the pandemic. But obviously, the pandemic shut a lot of that down. So then I got back into it in, under a training program called Wimp Warrior, which is now called Train Alta. Um, so I did that kind of after the pandemic. And like I was always interested in before, but actually kind of getting in there at training and stuff like that. It just brought me kind of that extra step. And my kind of day job is a data analyst anyway and statistician. So after that, then I kind of I had two fights during that course. Um, and I'm still training now today, but I kind of took on a master's after that in sports performance analysis, uh, which I'm finishing now at the moment. And I've kind of been focused on MMA specifically and analyzing MMA within the masters. And that kind of led me then to setting up the YouTube page um, and basically just breaking down fights and giving my opinion, looking at the data behind the fights and kind of and looking at trends and things like that. Now, I'm sure most sports fans are fully aware of sports analytics, especially when it pertains to uh, this side of the pond, things like baseball. It's all analytics. Football, it continues to develop. But MMA being such a new sport, and I think some of the analytics are still kind of being developed, right? Is is there any sort of specific things that you look at when you are developing your your analytics for each individual fighter? Um, with the UFC, it's a bit easier. Like they have decent, um, statistics. So like they would have kind of strikes absorbed, um, strikes give and take and takedowns, takedown averages, success rates. 
So it is a bit easier in that sense. So like generally when you're looking at say a fight, you kind of first you have to kind of establish who's fighting their kind of key, their styles, do the styles match up, are they so orthodox? And then after that, then I'll kind of start delving a bit deeper into the specific stats to see which are important, which aren't. So it is a bit easier in that instance. But like for the likes of Bellator and stuff, they don't actually hold the stats like that on fighters. Um, I suppose as part of the Masters, one of my key tasks was developing a system to be able to track such data myself. Um, so I kind of used a tool called Naxport for that. So I was able to kind of gather stats on fights. Um, it was basically kind of a tagging system so you'd set up different variables um you could you could you could pick the variables you wanted to select so that was very handy and then you could kind of do various analysis like after that you could look at kind of things like classifications if you want like that's kind of going into more the specific data analysis side of things rather than looking at just the kind of a fights fight by fight basis um but i have kind of started looking at stuff like that as well um, kind of still in the early stages of looking at kind of classifying fight data. Um, so I do have a solid enough UFC data set that's updated on a daily basis that I can get from ufcstats.com. So that's very handy and it's just something I've been looking at recently. But mainly when I am doing the breakdowns, I take the data from the UFC stats. Um, and I kind of just, I look through the videos as well and I try and link them up just to kind of get the full story of each fighter and their areas of strength and weaknesses. Okay, so I've been following the UFC since the very beginning. And, I mean, there are certain fighters that stand out to me in certain statistical categories. Are there any fighters that have really stood out to you in a particular category since you began doing this? Like, say, a fighter that would have maybe attempts more takedowns than, than anyone you've come across or almost a unicorn for a specific fight stat? Yeah, I suppose the one that comes straight to mind is Marab Tavalashvili with the takedowns. Um, obviously he set a crazy amount of takedown attempts. I think it's around 49 in his last fight against Petr Jan. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely the one that stands out by a country mile. There's definitely some other ones, but like off the top of my head, um, he's the go-to. Okay. And, and so far in, in your analysis, do you feel that the UFC, the MMA format, favors strikers or grapplers? I think currently the way the kind of system is set, if it's going to go to the judges, I think it does favor striking to a certain extent, unless there is that added kind of dimension of damage or submission attempts on the ground. Like previously, someone took someone down, they could have controlled them for large portions and they were likely to end around. Mm-hmm. But with the criteria at the moment, it's more focused on, say, if there is a lot of control time, but then the last minute of the fight is back on the feet and two or three solid strikes are landed, they generally go to them two or three solid strikes. So I think if it is a decision-based fight, I think the striking is probably a bit more weighted. But at the same time, if you know wrestling defense, like you won't have the opportunity to use the striking. So I think fighters need to be reasonably well-rounded at the same time. Okay, so let's let's look ahead to Saturday night. We've got UFC Fight Night, Emmett versus Taporia. I just want to look at the main event here, Josh Emmett versus Ilya Taporia. Yeah. Now, I, I predict fights. I have my own sort of analysis that I, I look at, and I, I base it a lot on previous performance. But this fight just 
just looking at it to begin with, just the matchup itself, it feels like a changing of the guard to me. But I want to know what your your feeling is about this particular matchup. Yeah, I would agree. I would be slightly leaning to Ted Taporia at the moment. I just think Josh Emmett is on the downside of his career. Like injuries were a major factor yes. during what should have been his prime run. Um, and I think even the damage he took against Yair Rodriguez could have a lasting effect on him going into this one. And like Tuporia is a bull, like, and I think he's very well rounded. The one issue I would have with Tuporia is he can get over aggressive at times and leave him ex- leave himself exposed in the pocket. Like even in his last fight against Bryce Mitchell, I thought he started very well. He was actually calm and composed. He got in, he say landed a two or three punch combination and he got back out. But once he started having success, he really started winging the punches a lot more. And just my only concern is against someone like Emmett with his power and his right hand and left hook. If he stays in the pocket for too long, he could get caught and taken out. But I'd, I do think I hope he will mix into grappling earlier as well and not just stand in the pocket with Emmett because he's a very good grappler. And like that is the base of his game. Like even prior to joining the UFC, I think nearly all his finishes were submission based, bar maybe one or two. Whereas he's nearly flipped the script since joining the UFC. He's become much better with his hands and nearly all his finishes have been knockouts, not submissions. So it's just interesting to see the way he's kind of career has developed as well. Um, but I would, I would certainly be leaning towards Tuporia. Um, but I just hope he can stay a bit more composed and that'd be my only fear with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one in that I, I feel that Ilya Teporia, I mean, as, if you look at it from a kinesiology standpoint, I feel he has very, very impressive twitch, twitch muscles. He has an extremely fast burst. So he, and that counts for everything MMA, whether it be a quick low kick, a quick move for a submission, a quick in and out, you know, to try and throw hands. Like he's extremely fast. And it just seems to come from nowhere. Whereas with Emmett, he's more of a stalking type fighter. Nothing really seems to happen fast, but he's so strong in that if you make any sort of mistake, he generally capitalizes and he's willing to take damage to return damage. And I I think to that aspect, he may have quite a few opportunities early, I think. To, to possibly land something devastating. So this fight could go either way. I think it's a great fight. I, I think this is a fantastic main event, right? As, as main event matchups go, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I think Teporia, I, I just think he's got a more fully developed skill set than, than Emmett. I think Emmett is more of a, a one trick pony at this point. And it's just looking to land a bomb. Yeah, I would agree, because even like I was looking back over Emmett's fight um, with Yair Rodriguez there today, and you could nearly see every time he was loading up the right hand, even though it connected once or twice, mm-hmm. there was still a tell each time he went to throw it. And I think Tuporia with his fast twitch muscles can get in and out, but like as long as he just doesn't stay in range too long. And I think the other interesting aspect of this fight is Tuporia's recent opponents, he's had a, a kind of a decent enough reach disadvantage Whereas the kind of heightened stance here and the reach is all very similar. Yes. So like he won't have to close the distance as quick. Do you know, he will have that 
like he won't have to come from outer range into range because they both have a similar reach. So he won't have to cross that pad either. Yeah. I think that's, that, that's a huge difference because he had a, I don't know what it was, but it was, it seemed like a pretty significant reach and height against uh, Jai Herbert. Yeah. And like even the Herbert fight, he showed how durable he was as well. Cause in that first round, Herbert connected on him solidly a good few times. Um, so like he seems to be the full package. Now, a win here against Emmett, let's say it's an impressive win. Let's say he gets a finish even. Is that enough for a a shot against the winner between Yair Rodriguez and Alexander Volkanovsky? Um, they might give him the next title shot, just given, the I suppose, the other contenders have either faced Max or Volkanovsky. Yes. But I do still think he probably should get one more um, fight in between. I do think it's a bit of a big leap to go from being ranked to nine, beating Josh Emmett and going straight into a title fight, <laughs> particularly against someone at the level of Volkanovski. I still think he needs one more big tester, even a Brian Ortega or, or, or Arnold Allen. Like the UFC may not want to put him against Max Holloway, just Correct. in case Holloway takes out another big contender. Yeah, that's that issue with the division. I've mentioned this before. It's it's almost like having two champions in one division. Yeah. Because right? <laughs> Holloway is just too good for the rest of them. Um, That's right. He just can't get over the hurdle with Volk. Um, and I'm not sure about Holloway's next fight against the Korean Zombie. It's not doing much for me. I don't know how you think about it. What you think <laughs> I mean, about it's, it. It's filling, a, it's filling a hole, right? Like, Yeah. I think the I Korean think, Zombie yeah. should be done at this point, right? I agree. I agree. I can see uh, I can see the corner showing in the towel there around, around three or four just to a constant bombardment of damage, really. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to jump ahead now. Yeah. And I'm going to skip past the next fight night with Strickland. I'm going straight to UFC 290. And I'm going to look at the main card, but not we're not looking at the biggest fights. I just want to look at the two first fights on the main card. So we've got Bo Nickel versus Treshawn Gore, and we've got Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. And I think these fights have a lot of interesting sort of sub-stories that go along with them. But we'll begin with Bo Nickel versus Treshawn Gore. First of all, I'm a huge Bo Nickel fan, okay? Massive Bo Nickel fan. Watching him in some of the grappling events that I've seen him enter in, and this is when literally he maybe had a month of jiu-jitsu training under the belt. Okay, and just just seeing his control from a wrestling standpoint and his strength is next level. So, what do you think about this matchup against Trajan Gore? I, I think Bo Nickel will be the big favorite, and I can see him walking through Gore. Um, I wouldn't be the biggest fan of Gore. I think he's overconfident of his own abilities, whereas Bo Nickel, he seems to be improving fight to fight. And while he comes from that wrestling background, what impressed me most about him is his ability to mix the submission threat with his wrestling. Like, he's not just a wrestler who comes in and just looks to control and maybe get off a few strikes, looks to handcuff his opponent. He goes for the finish each and every time. And he has a few different submissions. Like, was it a head and arm he got the last time out? Um, I can't, I think it was, I can't fully remember. But he seems to be adding that submission threat all the time. And he's not just solely relying on the wrestling in of itself. So I do think there's a lot of upside to him and I'm really looking forward to see how it goes over the next few fights. I think this is just another 
nice fight to get on the resume and just get another bit of experience for him. Um, could be wrong in that, but I do see him getting up, getting the win and getting it done within the distance again. Yeah, I feel like this is designed for a finish. Okay, this is this yeah. is designed for a finish. Either way, but heavily favoring Bo Nickel is just got to given his pedigree. I think you should really. I mean, if if, if you want to gamble a bit, Bo Nickel is someone I would gamble on the finish continuously every fight until he doesn't finish. Yeah, I'd agree because he he's very aggressive with his style as well. Like, yes. he's not looking to go the distance, <laughs> and he wants to make a name for himself and get to the top as quick as possible. That's right. That's right. So we were fully agreeing there. Okay, fully agreeing there. Now let's look at Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. And I like this one because this is a couple of fighters. In my opinion, they both have to win. This is must-win fights for them. Yeah, I tend to agree. Turner's coming off that loss to Gamrot. Um, so yeah, he kind of has to bounce back, and Gamrot took that one on late enough notice. And and Hooker then has been on a pretty bad run, barred at. Weird win over Claudio Puelas, who just seemed to want to just use Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu throughout the whole fight and just seemed to have no stand-up ability whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it is a bigger fight for Dan Hooker at the same time. But Jalen Turner's kind of length and reach. I feel he can get it over Dan Hooker and put it, if he gets him on the back foot earlier, early and can kind of get behind the jab and just use his reach and teep kicks, I feel it could be a long night for Dan Hooker. And I think Hooker's a bit of a streaky fighter. If he starts well, I think he'll take the win. But I think if Turner can get going downhill early, I can see him uh, getting the win here. And I think I would lean towards Turner. I think at this stage of their careers, I think he just has a slight bit more um, of an upside to him. But I wouldn't be leaning very strong towards him at the same time. But I think he can get it done here. Okay. Now, Dan Hooker kind of has a, a pretty seriously sizable cult following this side of the pond. How is he liked in your neck of the woods? I think he's well liked. I, I don't think anyone really dislikes Dan Hooker. Like he's the type of fighter who will take on anyone, anywhere, anytime. Um, and he has quite good personality about him. So like, yeah, he's definitely well liked. I don't know anyone that dislikes many. Uh, and like, he's always a much must watch as well. But it's just his recent form, I suppose. And like once he's kind of taken the kind of step up in quality of opposition, he just hasn't been able to get over the line. Um, so this will just be an interesting one to kind of see where he is at in his career at this stage. Are there any stats that kind of stick out for you when it comes to Dan Hooker or Jalen Turner? Off the top of my head, no. But I do think Turner has quite a high output. But um, without having them in front of me, I, I don't want to put my... I don't, I suppose I don't want to state something incorrect either, but I do think he's quite striking focused. Um, and I know he likes to guillotine when people do come in for takedowns, but I would expect this to largely play out in defeat. I'd be surprised enough if either of them looks for the takedown unless they get kind of hurt on defeat. So I do expect kind of stand up striking battle here. Okay. Okay. I, I expect the same. And I, I think it'll be a bit of a war too. I don't think either one of them are going to back down and I don't expect it to go the distance. I really don't. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the US and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Yeah. There was a fight announced recently between one of the up-and-coming fighters from 
from your island, and that's Ian Gary. Yep. Right? So, Ian Gary versus... Oh, who is it now? Uh, was it Neil? Hold on. Jeff Neil. Jeff, Jeff Neil, Neil, yeah. Versus yeah. Jeff Neil. So, Jeff Neil is a very dangerous opponent, okay? Jeff Neil has the ability to go in the cage and get it done against anyone. Ian Gary has looked extremely impressive, and he looks even more impressive every time out. What's been your analysis like for Ian Gary? Um, I was very impressed with Ian Gary's last display against Daniel Rodriguez. He just seems to have improved fight to fight. Um, he just constantly improving. Because I remember one of his first few fights in UFC against the likes of Jordan Williams and even was it Gabriel Green. Like he, he was getting the wins, but I wasn't seeing like the full hype. Why the UFC were hyping him so much. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of it was kind of the Conor McGregor hype train, trying to say he was the next Conor McGregor. But what I saw in the last kind of fight, he seemed to step out. He seemed, he stepped up from his last few performances. Um, and you could see why the UFC were really hyping him. His striking is very clean. He seems to know when to engage and when not to engage. And he's just very calm and composed in there. And he looks like he's, it looks like where he's destined to be. So I was really impressed with it. But at the same time, I was a bit disappointed with Daniel Rodriguez. He seemed to have lost the fight nearly before the fight started. Yeah. Um, like Gary kind of set the range early. I think he used teep kicks and stuff like that. But Rodriguez was biting on him. He hit him with a few of the body shots and then he hit him with the high kick. But you could see Rodriguez was dropping the hand to block the body and the high kick was there before he hit it. So it was maybe that position there is overestimating where Gary is actually at. But he does seem to be making good strides going forward. Um, and this will be a big, big test for him. Because even against Keenan Song, Song connected, I think, in the second round. And he had Gary on wobbly legs at one stage. And if Neil connects, Neil has the power to take nearly anyone out, bar yeah. maybe Shavkat. Um, so it will be definitely an edge an edge of your seat affair, especially if you're an Irish fan of Gary anyway. Now, have you seen any weaknesses in, in Gary's game? Yeah, I do think he is a bit suspect to the counters. And I do think if someone is very grappling dominant, we could see weaknesses on the ground, particularly off of his back. Like, I do think they're going to try and keep him fighting other strikers and try and get him up the rankings as far as they can. Um, and I can see, hopefully, an Irish car being headlined by him if he can get the win over Jeff Neal maybe next year. So I think that's the main hope. Um, but I think... I think his next opponent after Neil would probably be more grappling based. And I think that's where we're going to see really where he's at, how well-rounded he is. Um, but he seems, I'm not sure how durable he is. Like Keenan Song connected. If Jeff Neil connects, we'll really see where the chin is at. But for me, I think it will be the ground game and against a heavy grappler where we're going to see his biggest, biggest weaknesses if they are there. Now, I know you do a lot of analytics of fights as they're coming up. You can follow MMA Fanalytics on his YouTube channel. He's got a number of fights. Generally, he gives you the full rundown on what he expects to see happen. Both you and I had expected to see Vittori get the win over Cannoneer. Didn't happen. I was very impressed with Cannoneer's tank, to be honest. I I just didn't think he was going to go the distance that strong. But... Has there been any 
sort of fights that you've analyzed that that really surprise you in the end? Um, there's definitely been a few. Um, I'm just going to have to have one think there now. Um, two six. Um, which one would have surprised? I think the one that probably surprised me the most recently was probably the Vallisvillis win over Peter Yan. Okay. I did not see that coming. I thought Peter Yan was going to bounce back and get the win. I thought his superior striking and distance management would have been enough to deal with the Vallisvilli, but just the Vallisvilli's aggression, his gas tank as well, and the constant mixing in of the constant takedown threats, like 49 in total. I just didn't see that coming. And I was reasonably confident going in that, that, that Jan was going to get the win there. So I think of the recent fights, that's certainly the one that stood out the most to me. The other ones then, like you have kind of more obvious ones, like when Leon Edwards came from behind against Usman and won the title with yeah. the head kick knockout. <laughs> but I think that was more just just a moment. It wasn't necessarily the breakdown beforehand or anything like that. Yes. It was just a beautifully timed kick. So I think based on the question, it would have to be the, the Valsvili against Perian of the recent fights. Um, now, you, I'm kind of glad you brought up the Valsvili. So the Valsvili is sort of in limbo right now. I mean, while Aljamain Sterling is the champion, he's really not doing anything. So who would you like to see the Valsvili fight? Who do you think is a good match for him statistically? I would have loved to see him up against Henry Cejudo um, just because of Cejudo's wrestling background like can if can he just say throw out 50 takedown attempts over 50 or 5 rounds against Cejudo or would Cejudo just keep countering him and keeping at range um, or just sweeping him and getting his own takedowns so that would have been the one I would really like to have seen but I think Cejudo has a fight lined up against Marlon Vera now um, not yeah, I think that's officially announced. So that would have been the one I'd love to have seen. Other than that, then you're going down well down the rankings. You're looking at someone like a Song Yedong or Dominic Cruz. I think the rest in the rankings are currently matched up with other opponents. Um, so I think it would have been the Cejudo fight. Other than that, there's no one else that really stands out unless you kind of want to give, I don't know, you could give him the winner of the Corey Santagen and Nurmagomedov one, but I think they're probably going to get the next title shot after maybe O'Malley. So I don't know. It, it Again, it kind of comes back to the whole Max Holloway situation. Like if he's going to keep taking out the Nixon line without mm. taking the title shot, it's an awkward situation for the UFC as well, unless Sterling does end up moving up, which I imagine he will do if he gets the win over O'Malley later on this summer. Now, because you're Irish and because really the the Conor McGregor effect is what's got you fully involved in this, I've got to ask, and it's un, I mean, there's no guarantee this fight's even going to happen, but have you looked ahead to the analytics of a Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler fight? Um, I have to a certain extent, um, but I think for someone like McGregor, it's hard to analyze him because he's past fights. It's hard to base his next fight off his past fights okay. or his past fights data going on to his next fight because he hasn't been active. Uh, I, I don't think he's been training not the way other professionals have been training at least. 
Um, his head doesn't really seem to be in the game. Like maybe he'll turn it on for a fight camp. But my big fear with him is in the last five years, all the opponents he's going to face have probably been training week in, week out. They've been going through numerous fight camps. Whereas he's probably trained, I don't know, maybe four, five, six months in total, in totality over the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. So it's just hard to see how his skills have developed. And if anything, he's going to slow down. His accuracy, his timing and the striking is not going to be what it used to be. So I don't know, it's a bit hard based on anything off his past fights. And we even saw in his most recent fights that like he isn't the same Conor McGregor that came up and won both titles. Like if you look back to the Alvarez fight and compare that to any of his recent fights, it's just not the same fighter. And I think even the power he has and the aura he has, it's just not there. Um, but I do think Chandler would have been a decent enough opponent because Chandler may have wanted to be more of a crowd pleaser. Correct. But at this, but at the same time, if Chandler did, was a bit more tactical and stuck to his guns and went to the grappling like he did against, um, Poirier was in the second round. I think he could have grinded out a fairly one-sided win. So I think McGregor is probably only good for a round to a round and a half. But I, I, I don't think we're going to see that fight. It seems the longer it goes, the more and more likely that they're both going in different directions. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I'd like to see it happen, but I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I've got Nee on, on with us now. Nee, good to have you here. Thanks, Kobe. How's it going? Good, buddy. Good. Yeah, we've been talking a couple of the upcoming fights and what he goes through in order to kind of make his predictions and where he's looking for the information. Something I even hadn't realized because it's not how I go about it, but uh, Bellator doesn't keep detailed analytics, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's got to make his own his own fighter base, pretty much. <laughs> there we go. Good crack. Uh, Liam, how, how you doing? Not too bad. How are you keeping? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Before I get going any further, you Celtic or Rangers? Oh, Celtic. There we go. There we go. Shout out to Ange Postacoglu, by the way. Great Australian manager who's now joined that ugly team in North London. But anyway, we're here to talk about fighting. So, uh, mate, I wanted to ask you, Liam, because you obviously do the analysis of fights. And I imagine there might be some trends that you would have seen from certain fighters or even certain styles of fighting. So, my question is this. Have you been able to form projections for upcoming fights based on your previous analysis? I have been doing some work in the background, like in kind of software packages, like there's one called R and I have a database of UFC stats that's updated on a daily basis. And I've looked at classifying the data so you can do a predictive model that will give you the, the probability of a win to loss, but I haven't used it for any of the videos that I've been doing. Um, I suppose the last year or so I've been doing a master's in sports performance analysis. So like a lot of my time between YouTube work and that has been taken up and just doing assignments for college. Um, but I do have the tools now to go look at classifying data within, within the software package and seeing how the results actually do fare versus the actual outcome. So that's my plan now for the next, say, six months, just doing these projections and see how they actually do fare versus the full outcome of the fight. It should be reasonable enough to do for the UFC because I do have a decent enough data set that I, there's a data set on a website called Vegas Odds and it basically 
takes all the data from UFC stats each day. So at the end of every fight week, you get the most up-to-date stats from each fighter, from each fight. So I do have that now. So I'm going to look at classifying it, um, maybe looking at classification trees or mm-hmm. kind of regression models just to see the probability of any fight, basically, and who, what kind of outcome that gives, which fighter's going to win, what's the probability, comparing that to the betting lines, and then ultimately, I suppose, compare it to the outcome after the fight. Um because you could run into the case that just the regression model isn't isn't basically accurate or given the correct data. So that's my next plan now over the next few months. Um, I have some test code to use and I have the data. So it's just kind of find some time to put the head down and do it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Now, one of the reasons why I asked the question, and, and you touched on R, which is interesting because I know a number of analysts in the, the world of fantasy NFL on this side of the pond, they, they do double, they do, utilize R in their modeling. And when I used to play Fantasy Premier League back in the day, one of the websites that I would go to also would draw upon R and regression models. So I guess to that end, Liam, do you dabble in UFC or mixed martial arts fantasy at all? No, not at the moment. Um, I might do it. Um, I'm in a few leagues already predicting um the upcoming ufc fights but i'm not doing fantasy or anything like that at the moment i might do it again my time is going to free up slightly now because i say as i said i'll be finishing the masters in the next few weeks so i'm hoping to kind of spend more time on the specific fight analysis and just getting kind of more involved in the community as a whole really absolutely now kobe he likes a prediction of three when it comes to ufc don't you kobe i make many (laughs) <laughs> I make many, but something I want to suggest to you, Liam, because this is your field, th- there are a number of analytics that I would like to see covered, okay, that you don't see coming from anywhere, and one of which, and you can just maybe fit this in at some point, but the effects of finish rates on in a comparison between a small or large cage. Yes. Right? Something like that, because no one ever talks about it, right? The percentage of finishes that happen, say, first round, second round, third round, right? So, the, And these are generic questions. These are not specific to certain fighters. These are just MMA in general. Yeah. How does fighting in front of a home crowd affect performance rates, right? So these are just some things that I think the general MMA community, especially the gambling MMA community, would just love to know that n- nobody talks. I mean, there's, there's so many MMA analysts out there, some of which were former fighters, some of which are former coaches, some are just sports media like myself. But those numbers are elusive because they're not just offered up. So those are the kind of things I think you could definitely incorporate in your MMA analytics. I think it would be awesome to see it on your channel. Yeah, that they definitely will be two things or a few things I could definitely add in. Like the first two things you mentioned there will be easy enough to get off the bat. The third one there, fighting in front of a home crowd, I suppose the only issue with that is just, I suppose, determining it. The fight location will be on the data set, yeah. but just, I suppose, determining where each fighter is from, that would probably have to be a manual element or try and link it in another data set. But again, it wouldn't be overly overly hard analytically if I had the data there. But the first two I'll definitely look into over the next few weeks and I'll try and come up with something anyway. I might start adding that in. Yeah, I mean, the very first one, it, it just came to my mind while watching the uh, the 289 fight here in Vancouver. 
because the cage looked gigantic. Looked yeah. absolutely huge. I'm like, oh, that's got to be the largest octagon I've seen. <laughs> right? And, I, and right away, it made me start to rethink some of my predictions because of the size of the cage. All right? So I think that'd be a cool, cool little extra to have. And by the way, I love your channel, man. I, I watch all of your videos. Love your channel. Thank you. Thank you. And I even the last one you mentioned there, fighting in front of the whole crowd effect. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of looking into that because um, I'm kind of preparing for the Rodriguez and Volkanovski breakdown. And I tell you, I was watching one of Rodriguez's fights earlier, but I was watching Volkanovski's fight with Makachev as well. I'd say it's my third or fourth time watching now. But I actually think the home crowd effect actually adversely affected Volkanovski. Because yes. anytime he'd success and the crowd started getting behind him, he seemed to go into the pocket more and more and let himself expose for counters more and more or kind of got caught with takedowns and seemed just to be feeding into the crowd too much at times rather than sticking to his own game plan. So just even seeing the overall effects there would be quite interesting. So yeah, no, that's something I will definitely have a deeper dive into as well. And with that, I'll pass it, pass it to our Aussie, me. Yeah, man, I, I'm a... I'm a fan of any kind of deeper stats or analysis around sports. And Kobe may have asked this before, but just in case, uh, has has anyone, have any of the, I guess, competitions reached out to you for your stats or is that just a matter of time? No, not at the moment. Um, might be a matter of time. Um, I suppose I'm kind of still building the channel, so I must do a bit more, I suppose, put myself out there as well, kind of connecting or just kind of building a rapport with some of the organizations if I can, um, and things like that. Um, so yeah, not at the moment. No, I'm sure it'll be sooner rather than later because like Kobe said, there, there's, there's a gap among the MMA community and they, they are hungry for this kind of analysis. So we appreciate your time. As I said, it's good crack and, um, look forward to seeing your channel progress and seeing more of the statistics and we'll probably make some money off it too because gambling is now legal in Ontario. I know it's been legal in Ireland since the, the dawn of time, but Ontario is now on board. So, um, you know, Clubby likes to throw a couple of shekels on the, the fights each Sunday. Now, Liam, where can our listeners find you on social media? Um, yeah, on YouTube, the channel is called MMA Fanalytics. I suppose that's my main base. Um, I do have an Instagram page as well and a Twitter account and they're at MMA underscore fanalytics. Um, I must start posting a bit more on Twitter and things like that. But the main base definitely is YouTube. I, I guess, yeah, for, I guess for exposure purposes, Twitter is, you know, it, uh, the most timely in terms of getting an instant response, but. We'll see how much longer it lasts while Elon is running the joint. And on that note, it's been a pleasure to have you on. (laughs) Um, We appreciate your time and we look forward to catching up with you again, no doubt. Perfect. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. And hopefully talk in the future as well. Awesome. Awesome having you on, buddy. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.